Welcome to the Movies. <laughs> As you guys know, I don't know how to start the podcast, so it'll be the second in a success, in a line of perfect John Williams impressions that I am worried he will sue us for the rights to because it's just so spot on. Or... The start will be something along the lines of, Welcome to Late to the Movies, my name is Ben Holt, and this is a podcast where my friends and I get to fill in our movie blind spots each week. We'll pick a movie that either I or a guest hasn't seen before and really should have phone home by now. Um, My guest this week, left or right across your podcast aisle, we got Robbie. Hey. And Martha. Hi. This is Martha's first episode since the Princess of the Bride episode. Nope. Uh. Father of the, bride. of the Bride. What is the Princess and the Bride? <laughs> princess of the Bride is um, slash fiction, obviously. Like it's, <laughs> we can't get off point. We got to stay focused today. Um, this is the first one since the Father of the Bride episode, which, fun fact, was the third episode we recorded, but because of it being recorded um, when it did, it got pushed back to, I think it's the sixth episode. Yeah. Counting the Midnight Mass bonus. So, um. I don't know. With the bonus episodes, I'm not even sure what number we're on at this point, but I think around 43? Probably right around 43. I just don't count them. Yeah, no. No, I know you don't, which is makes sense. They're bonuses. <laughs> uh, so this month, we're doing four selections from Steven Spielberg's many options for summer blockbusters. The four that I feel like stood out the most to me, the four that have John Williams scores that I believe I can play on a slide whistle. <laughs> um <laughs> And uh, this is one of two that were, at the time, the highest grossing movie of all time that we're doing this month. Um, before we get too much into it, though, actually, I have a specific question for Robbie. Have you watched the new season of Umbrella Academy yet? I have not, actually. I've uh, seen that they've been teasing it, but I got I to gotta pick that up. Yeah, I'm a little more than halfway through. It's been, it's been good. Nice. <laughs> no spoilers since you've watched yet. All right, yeah, no, I'll have to check that out. I haven't watched anything. I've been keeping up with The Boys. I finished Kenobi. Um, I have to see that. The Boys is still on track to be the greatest show of all time. I found out today that uh, Obama said it's one of his favorite shows, as well as The Good Good Place is one of his favorite shows. So, yeah, we know Obama. We got things in common. We have things in common. I'll Nailed be the next it. president now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about you? Have you seen anything cool recently? Um. Well, I talked about this to you. Um, when we're hanging out, but my husband and I just finished the offer. Um, so good. It's pretty much the dramatized version of how the Godfather was made. Hmm. Um, it's on Paramount. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, so we just finished that and now we're on to Godfather. We're now we're watching the Godfather trilogy. So we just finished one and now we're in the middle of Godfather two, which we've seen before, but like, gotcha. I, I just, the this, this show is really good. I recommend it. Yeah, I know when you went through them, um, you watched for the third one, the death of Michael Corleone version, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's there's options when you get to the third one. It's- I did the Godfather episode, and then the day I watched the Godfather, it was like a two o'clock on a Saturday, and I just watched all three of them in one sitting. Oh <laughs> it was yeah. really good. Oh, yeah, I feel like I haven't seen them. I grew up with the Godfathers. Um, I like They were always on, especially like around like Thanksgiving time. It explains when a lot. <laughs> right? No. Uh, but I feel like I haven't seen it in a few years now. And now watching the offer, even though it's a little, it's dramatized, it gives you like a good sense of like how it was made. I just have a whole different perspective of the trilogy and e- even more respect for it. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Um, I've been watching, uh, like I said, the um, new Umbrella Academy season. It's it's one of those things, right? It's like not every TV show you watch has to be the greatest thing ever made. Um 
It's not that, but it is enjoyable. I like watching it. I like a lot of the performances, I guess. Fair. Um, and yeah, if, if you haven't seen that, that's on Netflix. It's been a really long time since season two. Yeah. Because of the pandemic. I think it's been at least, I think season two was pre-pandemic. Yep. It definitely was. Or, so like it came out at the beginning of the pandemic, yeah. but it was right in that time. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was right. That's So it's been a while. I think that's, that's happening to a lot of shows. Um, on the last episode, we, I talked about Barry that I only just binged it, but for people who were watching it at the time, I think the scene between season two and season three was, I think season two was like 2019 yeah. and then season three just ended. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's weird to get momentum up with these shows that are organized like eight episode to 10 episode seasons. Cause there's just like not a lot of it. No. Yeah. Um, I just finished a binging of all of 30 rock and yes. that's like, there's, you know, 20 plus episode seasons and so you could just have it on and it just is so much of it. And you just can't do that with, even with like Stranger Things, there's just not a lot of it compared to how shows used to be. Yeah, it's true. Oh, actually, there's another show I just finished, um, The First Lady. Oh, okay. Um, which it's first season. Uh, first season just came out. Uh, who are the actresses? Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh. Viola Davis. Okay. And well, what's her name? Jillian Anderson. Anderson? Yeah. It's pretty much about um, Mrs. Roosevelt. Mrs. Ford and uh, Mrs. Obama. Interesting. And about like pretty much like the first lady, like three first ladies that were like not normal first ladies. They yeah. kind of like pushed the, you know, they they, they just kind of like pushed things a little bit more of like women's rights and like how first ladies should not just be like prim proper, like house ladies essentially. Um, so they did like the, the three comparisons of, the, of all the stories and, Really, really, really fascinating. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't know anything about that, but you had me on Michelle Pfeiffer, so we'll see. She was really good. As she is really good. <laughs> and I, like, Mrs. Ford is not one that, like, I don't really know anything about President yeah. Ford, except just that after, you know, he's VP to Nixon and all that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer was awesome. Yeah. So. So, you guys don't know this yet, but I told you the theme. It's Steven Spielberg summer blockbusters, but. We came up with a catchy name, as I'm trying to do now, because, you know, Steven Spielberg's summer blockbusters isn't going to fit well in an Instagram post. Um, so originally, I thought the funniest option was Hot Spielberg Summer. Okay. Then we went to Hot Steve Summer. Yep. <laughs> and then through a series of misunderstandings, it became a Big Steve Summer. <laughs> Love it. And uh, so we landed on Big Steve Summer. So this is episode two of Big Steve Summer. <laughs> and... Uh, unclear if he even goes by Steve in his personal life. He this certainly is, doesn't go by Big Steve. This is what's going to get you the cease and desist. Not not the John Williams. Uh. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Big Steve, so I hope he knows it's all it's all love. Um, it's all love, baby. Uh, so episode two of Big Steve Summer is E.T. the Extraterrestrial, which is technically extraterrestrial, but extraterrestrial. <laughs> uh, whatever. Um, which of you guys wants to do a one-minute plot summary? Oh, God. Okay. Whenever you're ready. All right. Uh, are we cool if I mess up here and there? Because I yes. might. Okay. Um, okay. So um, E.T. Um, starts off um, a spaceship lands in California. The aliens are gathering up tons of plants to bring back to space. They are about to jet out. Um, uh, alien is left behind and scientists are trying to capture it. He runs away. He lands at the home of Elliot, the main character. Um Elliot uh, and his whole family is interesting perspective. His parents were just uh, separated. So, 
you kind of seeing a family in a very kind of like rawish state trying to do that. Um, Elliot and E.T. become buddies. They also become very connected. They feel each other's thoughts um, and uh, they feel things together. Um, and uh, uh, Elliot's uh, siblings get involved and they're trying like to figure out <laughs> how to get home. They land at a place. Uh, E.T. tries to call home. Uh, Elliot and E.T. get really sick. Scientists try to find him. E.T. dies and then he gets brought back to life and then he goes home. Perfect. Nailed it. Nailed it. You're over by two seconds, but still. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much everything that happens. Uh, anything you want to add, Robbie, or are we good here? No. Okay. <laughs> um, I was like, when they first were collecting the plants and stuff, I was thinking like, why are they here collecting plants? And then I remembered a, a meme I saw a little bit ago that was like, in the whole galaxy, wood is probably the most rare of all the resources. And it's like, well, is far as we know, I mean, there's planets made out of diamonds. This is all the wood. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, we'll get into this a little bit more, but yeah, the the ride at Universal is about like going there and seeing what kind of cool plants they have. And there's a funky guy named Botanicus <laughs> who uh, isn't trying to sell children weed, despite his name. Uh, um, mushrooms? Yeah, mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, a character that I believe is whole cloth just for the ride. Uh, called Botanicus. That's like the main flower guy. Who's of course? Yes. I don't remember all the details. You're on a bike flying through a warehouse in Orlando. Who knows? Uh, who can remember? Anyway, um, this movie real good. Let's establish up top. Uh, Martha is the one on this episode who I hadn't seen before. That's right. Why? <laughs> um, I think it's because. Um, uh, and I said this before we started recording, so this might be a repeat to uh, Ben and Robbie, but um, I feel like everyone grows up with a very specific, like very specific Spielberg movies. And um, one of them in my house was Hook because we, my brothers and I loved Peter Pan. So it made sense for us to gravitate towards Hook. Um, and then there were just other Spielberg movies that um, were in the running. So I think it was just one of those movies where like, if you don't see it as a kid, then it's kind of like, uh, you just don't see it. I'm just one of those weirdos yeah. that doesn't see it. Yeah, it's a family movie. It doesn't necessarily make sense for you to revisit it as an adult. And then like with your own family, probably not yet, I would think. Right. And so it gets, it gets kind of scary in the latter third of it. I would think. Well, part of it too is when it was made. So it was made in the 80s. Yeah. I was born in 90. Although my brothers were born in the 80s, but I feel like it just kind of missed that. Like it was just. Yeah, maybe the timing. It's early. It's eighty two, so it makes yeah, it makes sense. I yeah. this wasn't something I really grew up with either. Mine mm. were probably the last one, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Jurassic Park were probably my my big ones. If we're just keeping it to Spielberg growing up, that I was, Jurassic Park was the other one too. Yeah, was a huge deal for me. But this is something that I don't think I've sat down and actually watched it for at least a decade. Mm. Um, sure, which is weird because. It is a really big deal if you look at, I mean, like I just mentioned, there's a ride of in Universal. Um, I think there's a ride for all four movies that we're doing this month, it's, which is, uh, it's, it's going to make it a unique month. But I mean, I'm, I'll be honest, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was like a great movie. I'm, I'm really surprised to hear it broke all those records. I'm thinking, and I had this thought last night, it's... Um, the visuals and stuff were probably absolutely mind blowing for the time that it came out. And I just can't get that same, uh, 
I can't get back into that mindset, but I can definitely see the expertise there. I can see where it would have been very impressive for that time. But um, I don't know, parts of it, I was a little bored. I like had to like stop myself from scrolling on my phone towards like the middle a couple times. I know. You're going to be the Kyle of this episode. Uh, no, Kyle is ridiculous. You're going to give it one star and drive down the rating. No, I'll, I'll be fair with the rating. It's just, uh, I don't know. It wasn't my my favorite. I After I rewatched it, I'm like, okay, this is probably why I only watched it like once as a kid mm. because there's just not enough action, I don't think, for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. See, the, Interesting. the thing is, I thought that I had a perspective of like, oh, I'm going to be bored with this movie because I was expecting it to be like, oh, alien lands, kids find, alien gets back home. Like, I thought it was going to be much more basic, but I thought the movie had a lot of nuances that I just, I wasn't yeah. expecting at all. Um, I didn't realize how, honestly, how deep of a movie it was going to be for a family sure. film. That's fair. Yeah, and I just the... um I mean, Spielberg operating on, on a lot of levels and, and painting with certain colors of the uh, palette that he hadn't before. So when it comes out, that's what a lot of reviewers cite is that it's Spielberg doing some more emotional stuff than he had before. Obviously, this is only seven years after Jaws, one year after Raiders of the Lost Ark, other stuff too, but just for the movies that we're doing this month. And those aren't, those are, you know, action or adventure movies or kind of thrillery stuff and I mean, I think it would be underselling Jaws to not say that it has an emotional core and some intelligence going on, but this is a lot more, you know. I, I think when people think about Spielberg now, it's it's kids looking at things in, like, bewildered astonishment, and this is really the first time he's tapping into that. Interesting. Well, and I actually just read, too, after I watched it, I was reading a little bit about it, and apparently there's this, I don't know if it's true or not, but apparently this is kind of like this movie is supposed to represent like his parents' divorce, oh, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and that like when his parents are divorced, he kind of like just threw himself into like child imagination to kind of like get through it. And this story, it wasn't particularly E.T. It was supposed to be like another film, I think, yeah. that like didn't really get anywhere. But he had this conversation and with someone, I'm doing a bad job explaining, but essentially E.T. kind of formed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was like as inspired by the imaginary friend he had yep. as like emotional support when his parents are getting divorced. That's why you pick up on when Elliot says, you know, only little kids can see him to his sister, yep. which isn't true, but that's, you know, imaginary friend logic. Yep. So, uh, yeah, this movie, I guess we can start sort of uh, big picture wise. When it comes out, it's the highest grossing movie eventually of all time uh, after re-releases and stuff. I think it's it's made like almost $800 million. Yeah on a $10 million budget. <laughs> so pretty, pretty good, pretty good, uh, return on investment. This, uh, I mean, cultural stuff. Um, ET phone home is, I think number 15 on AFI's hundred years, hundred quotes thing, the ride at universal, um, a video game that they produced so many copies of that turned out to be so bad that it completely crashed Atari as a company. Fantastic. Um, One of my favorite stories of all time. (laughs) (laughs) There's documentaries just about that aspect of it that you can go watch. Um, So bad. Yeah, this puts Spielberg in like another stratosphere. Didn't Uh, they like bury all the copies in a hole somewhere or is that a different game? Yeah, I think like in New (laughs) Mexico or something or in the desert outside of California. Probably probably in California desert. Um, Yeah. They had to put them all in a landfill. (laughs) <laughs> and the main mechanic of that game is E.T. falling down holes, So, which, of course, happens all the time in the movie. 
I read like a, a a review on it where like you were supposed to like collect a phone from an FBI agent, but nobody ever told you that, and they just chased you around everywhere, and you eventually just got stuck in a hole until you gave up. Oh my god! Yeah, not a good game. Sounds terrible. So yeah, there's so many sequences in this movie that are just. You know, the, literally the bike in front of the moon is the Amblin logo, which is Spielberg's production company. Mm. Um, so I always assume that this has some more personal resonance for him than some of his other movies because it's literally the logo of the company he made. Right. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Did It didn't charm you? Eh, a a wow. little bit. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Some of the stuff came off like a little bit cheesy, like when they're like, he's in Mexico with stepmom or something like that. And she was like, he hates Mexico. I was like, I, I laughed. I, I honestly laughed. Really? Yeah. I fell for her. She's just like, he hates Mexico. Who like specifically, like, just like that country. I hate the entire. I don't yeah. Know. I just assume like she was like, we should go to Mexico. And one time, one time, and he was like, I hate Mexico. I'll never go in there. And that's right. about with this other well, lady. He'll especially go to in California, actually, Mexico is like the place to go for vacations. Um, I think a lot of them tend to go either like north or to Mexico. Mm-hmm. It makes it makes sense. It just like the the I don't know, like the acting for that. It just didn't really I don't know. It's okay. <laughs> there is there is a lot going on right now and I was just like, "Oh, lady, the the, the problems of the 80s just don't really like compute well, with me." I don't know. You know, Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> there was a couple things like the kid called the um, He's like, shut up, penis breath. And she's like, oh, ha, ha, what a charming thing for my seven-year-old. Don't say that. I did see <laughs> some of the things like that or like- I, um, I think it was just like she has to pick and choose her battles because it's fair. just her against these three, three chaos three, Asians. Three yeah. little monsters. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, in, the, in the very beginning, I had the same thought. I'm like, my God, this mom is just like letting them like live. Like the kid, like Elliot is like out the street, just like waiting for the pizza, like- in the middle of the night, like not in the middle of the night, yeah. but like at night. Well, she didn't even like, know they ordered pizza. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. But like things like that where, um, or like the kids just like grab knives to like kill the coyote to see if she it was a coyote. Them, put the knives back <laughs> and they just go, no. no. <laughs> right. So like then, but then when I heard like more of like when Elliot brings up like, you know, dad's in Mexico with Sally and like you hear of the separation, it's like, like you said, Ben, it's like, oh, she's just picking and choosing because she's in survival mode right now. Yes. Yeah. She is just just hanging on like you think emotionally, mentally. Um, and it's, you know, I, I, I guess Steve, uh, Big Steve was probably more on his mom's side based on this movie. That's what it seems like. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's talk about the like the fun parts and stuff. <laughs> So um, the movie itself, I, I really love how it starts. There's no dialogue for quite a while um, until you get into that scene where you're like, oh, this is where Stranger Things took all of season one from. The exact, um, note, <laughs> the exact note I wrote, I was like, my God, inspiration for Stranger Things. Yeah, the kids are playing D&D. Elle is basically... The lighting and E.T. <laughs> like, oh, yep, yep, yep. Yes. The, all at the table, like the exact same haircuts, the style, the the yeah. lamps, everything. And I like that it sets up. It's yeah. the it's the 80s and these kids are like nerdy and playing D&D and even they think Elliot's a dork. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and that kind of sets you up with Elliot. Uh, Henry Thomas plays Elliot. Um, and the other main person worth mentioning, worth mentioning sounds really pejorative to the other people, but I just mean it, it's Drew Barrymore, uh, not her screen debut, but you know, 
I remember seeing her name and I was like, wait, where's Drew Barrymore? She was the, she was the child. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. She actually, yeah, she actually lied to Spielberg to get on the movie. I don't know what she lied about, but I know that like he was asking her uh, like very specific questions and she was just like lying through her teeth the whole time. Cause she was like, yeah. she was eager to get onto the movie. Yeah. I think it's in, in like the audition process. He was, he liked her charisma because she told a story about leading a punk band <laughs> and he was like, okay, you can, you have the yeah. imagination to do this role. Yeah. Um, cause she's seven when this movie comes out, she's in rehab within six years Oh, geez. from this moment. It's just crazy yeah. looking how, I mean, she's, ba- she's, uh, she's a baby. She's in rehab at 13? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. She gets emancipated and has her own apartment by 15. Wow. Uh, yeah. It's crazy that she seems to be a generally well-adjusted person that everyone in Hollywood seems to like today. And have like a lot of respect for. Yeah. That's nuts. And it's, um, she's, she's 47 now, which it just feels like she's been around forever. That's, That's I mean, it's, it's a 40 year old movie. And the fact that she's, she's only 47, obviously she's seven in this, but still kind of the math boggles the mind. Yeah. I was trying to, I, so like watching it last night, I was talking to Derek about it saying like, wow, I can't believe that's Drew Barrymore. Like I just, like my mind's blown right now. And he's like, well, she's, she's older than you. I'm like, yeah, but like, she's still around. Like she's still young. Like I remember in, yeah, sure. Like never been kissed ever after Charlie's angels. It's like, Oh, you were like in your twenties probably when you made those movies. Yeah. And she was producing the Charlie's angels yeah. movies at the time. Yeah. So she's crazy. Wow. You know, so seeing her as a seven year old, it's like, Oh my God. Yeah. And <laughs> she's, um, Steven Spielberg's goddaughter. And yeah. So she, wow. her parents are famous. Uh, I don't think she, not that she has a ton of good memories of them. I don't think, but, yeah. Oh, are they dead? Um, I think her, Yeah. I'm pretty sure. And I know her dad was like really abusive and stuff. And well, I mean, hence rehab by 13. In an emancipation too. You don't just get that willy nilly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And to, for like a judge to grant it when she's 15 years old, they have to be, it has to be pretty bad, pretty unfit. I would think. Um, but yeah, she's really good in this too. She's, you can tell she I becomes um, immediately like one of the most famous child actors of all time, which can't help whatever demons she was fighting, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love how the movie starts. No stuff. It, and it's it's a thing that Spielberg returns to a lot of just not showing you the thing. Um in Raiders of the Lost Ark, there's like a whole scene before Harrison Ford steps out of the shadows and um as with in the last episode we talked we all talked about how like, oh my god, he's so hot. <laughs> you like and um the same thing with Jaws. You don't see the shark for a while and he's also super hot when you finally see him. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um <laughs> Same thing with E.T. So, so the guy Same. with the keys. Oh, no, E.T. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he doesn't show you the puppet for a while, and then it's a, it's a pretty good puppet. It is a good puppet. A lot, a lot of puppet work, a lot of hands around the corner when Elliot's uh, leading him with uh, Reese's Pieces up to the room. and When he yeah. first uh, started, like, using his hands and walking around and stuff, I had a note that said, uh, E.T. answers the question, what would happen if penguins had hands? They just yeah. they remind me very much of penguins, but yes. with fingers yeah. instead. Especially the first, um, it's a while until he, I guess, extends his neck, for lack of a better term. So he's very boxy. Yes. Yep. Uh, so yeah, very penguiny, really. Very penguiny. He, he waddles. He does waddle. That makes sense. Um, it, does he poop Reese's Pieces? Where did those come from? Because there was some inexplicably in the woods that led the guy with the keys that was towards Elliot. them. You see okay. Elliot on the bike dropping Reese's yeah, pieces Elliot, all oh, over the woods. He like okay, goes okay. around and like drops. Yeah, he tries to Hansel and Gretel him. Okay, okay. 
I missed that part. I thought he just left a trail. So I was like, why is there this random pile of them in the middle of the woods? No, but, that was, uh, that that's, was that's where Hershey's gets them from. <laughs> aliens uh, pooping in the woods. Perfect. I don't know why, but actually, so Reese's Pieces was like my favorite candy growing up. So I, and I was like, holy yeah, this shit. There's no some way. great product placement. Yeah, it was. It really it was, was. Coors, V8, all all face, all labels V8, facing the camera. Um, what was the, the yogurt too? Um, Yoplate? Yeah, I think it was Yoplait. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there was some cottage cheese or something. Yep. Um, but I didn't get the, the label on that. I just saw it, but yeah. And like, like you know, like any sane person, E.T. just ignores the cottage cheese, just throws it across the room. Oh, no, it wasn't okay. cottage cheese. I think it was potato salad. Oh, still, well, same thing. S- still. Still. Fair. Um, fair. He's, he is a man with taste. Um. Yeah, so. The TIE fighter in his room. Like I love the Yoda scene too. That was pretty great. The Yoda scene's great. He he has Greedo and Lando Calrissian toys that he's showing him. It's just you know Spielberg shouting out his buddy George. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciated that actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, makes Home. I mean makes sense. So the movies uh, seventy seven is both Star Wars George Lucas and Close Encounters of the Third Kind Steven Spielberg's other alien movie, hmm. and um, yeah. This is, and then John uh, Williams just child. must be uh, buddies with both of them because oh, he does all yeah. the music yeah. for it. Yeah. Did you see that he's retiring? Yeah, I did see that. No more mu- movie music from John Williams. Too bad. Well, he's what? 90, I think. 90? Yeah. 80, yeah, like 88, 89, 90. I think he's around there. Yeah. I think the article I saw was said at 90 he's retired, but that's, you know. Huh. Uh, I mean, he's earned it. Yep. <laughs> yep, he says he's still going to make music, just not for movies. Yeah, he's got like... I can't blame him. I think he's got like 30 Oscar nominations. Yeah, something. Yes. Yes, something insane like that. He, he wins for this, I guess we could say now, because we're talking about music. Yeah. And score. Nice. Um, Although he's not the biggest grossing music composer anymore. Really? It's um, Hans Zimmer? Hans Zimmer. Mm. <laughs> it's him, Zimmer, and Elfman yep. that do oh, most, most of the did Zimmer American do movies. Yeah, he did Dune. So he's he's the reigning current he's best score. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like you got to um, adjust John Williams' earnings for inflation, and then <laughs> yeah, yeah, because his right. I mean, some of his most iconic works in the seventies, right? right. So. Yeah, it's actually probably a pretty significant inflation bump. Mm-hmm. I will say, I made a note actually about his music. What was interesting about E.T. was that as soon as the first scene hit and like you hear John Williams' music, I instantly felt nostalgic. Mm, that's like, what it does. Yep. And it's funny. I was like, wow, I feel nostalgic, even though I've never seen E.T. before. But it's every single movie that we know, just like you hear everything. Oh, yeah. And it was all in the first scene. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And this is a, this is a good one. It might be his best score, even if it's not necessarily the most famous, which you'd probably say Star Wars or Jaws. Star Wars for sure. Yeah. Oh, maybe Jaws. It's close. Yeah. Star Wars for the oh, whole score. It, well, Jaws Potter for just too. the bump. Oh, did he do Harry Potter? He did the first one. He, I don't know if he did the second one, but he, but John Williams is the one that created the themes. Da, right. Da, 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 yeah. 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 Um, uh, so what, curious. This movie is sort of, uh, like you were saying, it wasn't exactly the shape you were expecting to be as far as the beats of the story. Um, what were what was anything that was like really particularly surprising? Uh, the connection between Elliot and mm-hmm. E.T., I wasn't expecting that, where like if E.T. was feeling something or moving, Elliot could feel it and vice versa. Mm-hmm. I th- That connection, I was like, huh. 
this is something I wasn't expecting to happen. Yeah, yeah. He's trying to get right at the heart of like childhood emotional truths and whatnot. Yeah. And yeah. I think succeeding. Maybe it doesn't work for everyone. <laughs> Not looking at someone across I the room. I just said okay. it wasn't my favorite movie. This <laughs> <laughs> just wasn't your favorite movie. So I'm sitting here like, this is probably like, for me, probably fourth out of the four movies we're doing this week. But you, you asshole. How is this not your favorite movie? Yeah. No, I, yeah, I think I just was not expecting to be have like empathy in this, like to have like, an empathetic connection. Yeah. Um, that was, didn't surprise me. That really surprised me. And um, yeah, I think the other part that surprised me too is like E.T. dies, spoiler alert, everyone. But the fact that he like came back so you like you know in the beginning like you see like all the red hearts like yeah. and you're kind of like okay it's just like a weird alien thing whatever yeah, yeah. but then he dies and then his heart goes back up it's like oh weird so you are alive because you feel connected to your people I don't know like I feel like you could totally like have like a very cool deep conversation on that yeah yeah there's yeah a deep conversation how else would you put it that's totally. A heart well to said. heart, maybe? A heart to heart. <laughs> a glowing oh, red heart bum, to bum. heart. Yeah. And you don't get like a really good look at it until I think the last time when he's saying goodbye to Elliot and you see that they actually like modeled a heart beating and stuff. Yeah. Like, wow, it's really creepy. Yeah, really. <laughs> I thought that I was thinking about the the whole connection thing too because um, I thought it was funny at the end. He, he gets the plant and I was like, oh, see, it was just a, a whole thing. Long con. They wanted plants. He couldn't get them. He ran away. He had to get this kid to get attached to him and then leaving the planet, take this. But then um, I thought he probably had to take the plant with him because I think when he, Elliot was dying, E.T. had to sever that connection. And I think he replaced it with the plant. That's why both him and the plant died. And then the plant comes back when uh, E.T. comes back and he takes it with him. But I think now he's connected to that plant. And like, you couldn't just leave that on Earth. Like, you're psychically connected to that plant now. But um, yeah. so I answered my own shenanigans. There you with go. A, with a big circle. There you go. Yeah. Huh. Are you like, so um, were you expecting so much like anti government? Pro environment stuff. No. <laughs> also, I, also, I was yeah, I wasn't expecting any government story to be part of this. I really, really thought it's it was a really, alien. it's a really big chunk of the movie. Yeah, I really thought it was going to be like alien children, alien home. Like I really thought like that was going to be it, and instead, government came in, and I was like, whoa, whoa. The only question I had was the guy. Um, I don't know his name, but like he, like at the end he sees Elliot and he's the one that has the conversation with Elliot. Like, you know, I've been waiting for this, blah, blah, blah. What's his deal exactly? Did he meet an ET before? I think he's just trying to get with his mom. It's well established (laughs) that Elliot has a hot mom. The teenagers all think are all trying to grab her ass in the first scene. ET thinks she's hot when on Halloween. Okay. Um, This guy obviously tried to get with his mom too. That's really the whole purpose? No, I don't think so. (laughs) Uh, I just love that you see the shot from like E.T.'s perspective through the clothes. She's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoying her in that like cat print suit. And I'm like, okay, E.T., geez, <laughs> stay on focus, bud. You got to get home. Um, anyway. <laughs> Kid with the psychic connection is going to need therapy. I know, right? It's like, come on, you got to be more careful than that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's just to show that there, I, I always, I guess, I didn't remember that guy and uh, there's some shades of gray and the government's not entirely just evil people. There's also some people who are trying to do 
good, I guess. I don't know. Got it. Um, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, Belloc is like the villain, but he's constantly trying to get Marion um, to not be murdered by the Nazis. <laughs> For his own selfish, he just wants to like keep her alive so he can like take her. I don't know. It's the 30s. You can just like take a woman back then, I guess. Um, but but so do you think he met a creature? Was, um, I don't know. He said he'd been waiting since he was 10. Mm. So he, I, I figured that meant like he was a little kid hoping that this day would come and now it finally has. Or maybe it happened to him when, when he was 10 and he was waiting for something to come well, back. The, the way he, <laughs> he worried said it, it was like, I met E.T. I thought uh, he like, said like I, I met E.T. Or, like, or I know E.T. Yeah. Something yeah. along those lines. And he's like, I've been waiting for him to come back. Yeah. I think is what he said. Yeah. So I was 10. Maybe so, when he was 10, he saw the spaceship or something. Well, I'm almost wondering if maybe they come and collect plants every so often and they need they to could. like re... Yeah. I, I'm trying to parse it from like again getting at some kind of like childlike wonder aspect of it maybe this this guy is trying to say like i i was like you i want these you know i want i wanted this to happen because i want to believe that this kind of thing is you know out there and they're on a peaceful mission and it's about you know the environment or whatever i don't know i I was thinking it's some kind of like him trying to appeal to elliot like i'm i'm also a pure of heart person yay okay but i mean it seemed like he was i mean he was at the end like yeah he knows what's happening but doesn't necessarily try and stop them yeah okay thanks for clarifying that so, um, yeah, I love that just kind of the whole movie. It's not really that action filled, but then the last sequence Spielberg can just have like a really well choreographed car chase pretty much. Yeah. Yep. Um, just pulls it out of nowhere because he can. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I always like that scene. And even though you saw Elliot fly on the bike past the moon earlier, um, I guess at this point, the previous day or whatever, uh, most two days earlier, the part where all the kids start flying is is really good. Yeah, I mean, you're not sure if he can still make them fly because he's been sick and all that, so it's still a surprise. Yeah, when they all when they all fly away and it's all the kids are like, "Whoa, good stuff." That was really good. I don't know. I liked it's it. It's awesome. I, I know to- we're we're both looking directly at Robbie. Like that part was good too. <laughs> I will I say hated it. It was I will, terrible. I will say though, this is, and this is so this is so dumb. But the one thing that like I every single time Michael smiled, I was like, whoa! I don't know if anyone else noticed how crooked his teeth oh, were. He had pretty messed up teeth. He had such messed up teeth, and I was like, wow! You just don't see that on TV anymore. No, like something's. I don't know why. It just like it just really threw me off. Yeah, I I definitely picked up on <laughs> like yeah, I don't know. There's nothing I can do with that, but yeah, that I guy's know. teeth are weird. Man. It was just funny. It was you just funny. You don't see it anymore. But hey, you don't. He's he was fine. He had a good friend group who would a very good ride bikes group. away from the government with him, even though they could just have not been involved. Exactly. They didn't have to implicate themselves. Nope. Just like, hey, what's going on? Uh, I can't talk about that. Government's chasing us. Just show up with bikes. Okay. Yeah, it's the kind of friends you want to being chased by government spooks, you know, slide into the side of the road with a van and be like, get the bikes and meet me over there. Exactly. And they're just like, absolutely. Yeah. No, sure. no questions asked. We'll that's, see you there. That's what we'll do. And I love that. the Should you guys steal a car? Co- oh, we'll talk about it later. The back of the van opens in the park and the ET's there with like the red shining heart. And uh, Elliot's just like, he's a spaceman. He's going <laughs> back home. Let's go. And they're just like, yep, okay. Sure, yeah. What else? Okay, no question. There was actually one line that, like, I actually belly laughed at where, like, um, Elliot is, like, trying to, like, 
tell like Michael's friends, like this is what's going on. And then one of the friends is like, can't he just like beam up? And Elliot's like, this is reality. And like, yeah. I don't know why. I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I think that's just like foreseeing that someone's going to be like, why doesn't he just like spaceman away? Yeah. And it's like, well, cause this, cause he can't. Cause okay. He can't. This is normal life people. <laughs> don't ask dumb questions. Just be a cool. Sorry. They only figured out interplanetary travel. They haven't figured out teleportation. Exactly. Yet. Uh, I don't know why I thought that was so funny. So yeah. I thought, um, I really like, I know we were talking about like Drew Barrymore's acting, but I really liked the kid who played Elliot. Henry Thomas. Um, we've talked about a show he's been on before. I said it was a show, so that might be a hint. He's um, the dad of the main character in Midnight Mass. He was like a fisherman. Oh, really? And kind of like really strict. Okay. Yep. That's Henry Thomas is most recent thing I know about. He's in the upcoming Mike Flanagan show about the fall of the house of Usher. Gotcha. So, um, I guess he's on the Flanagan train now. I didn't realize Usher had a whole house. They're just like a couple hit songs. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, that's all you need to buy a house. I would think, especially in the early to mid thousands. Yeah. I can't even get like, I have like only three hit songs now, but it's not enough in this environment. Economy. <laughs> Um, all played on the slide whistle, obviously. Um, uh, so I watched this on a 4k that I would recommend a lot of the first half of the movie is in darkness or like semi darkness and the 4k does a good job with it. Uh, I don't know. That that might be useful information for someone. I did not. I watched it on my iPad. Do love that one of the, (laughs) one of the kids just tried to go to as a terrorist for Halloween and the mom was like, you're not going to, I was just like, wow, that like to even try it in the eighties was like a no go. Imagine trying it now. Like Jesus. I like, I like that that conversation is happening off screen. So they never show you exactly what he would have worn, which is, which is a saving grace, I guess. Yeah, totally. And totally. then he's just as like a vaudeville thing, kind of. Well, I don't know. The thing that kind of like, it kind of surprised me actually E.T.'s about that to. was that was in the 80s. So that was like clearly before 9-11. And quite frankly, like I didn't. Oh, yeah. Well, it's just the, I like the word terrorist became like a trendy word almost after 9-11. Right. Like I feel like everyone was always talking about it. And before that, maybe because we were just younger, I just don't remember hearing that language as much. There, It was definitely a lot less, but I think there was a couple of pretty big incidents where like they had already tried to blow up the World Trade Center a while back. And I don't know if it was in that time frame, but I think they also had hijackings going on in other countries. Got it. But uh, Okay. So it was part of like adult conversation. I say adult because as a wouldn't. child, we wouldn't really have heard it. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. Def- definitely by then. Um, yeah, then, yeah, that whole sequence is great when they have E.T., very obviously not Drew Barrymore under a sheet, and the mom's yeah. like, oh my God, so oh, you look so great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, this and is- they say, yeah, she says, you look so great, and then all three of them say thank you, including E.T. Thank you. Very funny. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The, one thing I, I, and this might be jumping a little bit, but one thing I realized too about like the shape of E.T., um, is that I feel like Wally looked like that. Yep. Like yeah. the boxy. I don't think that's long, an accident. With, okay. <laughs> and like the way he moved his, like the way that um, Wally moves his neck around a little yeah. bit, like it's obviously a little bit more machinery compared to like a puppet, but um, in cartoon versus puppet. But um, yeah, I was kind of, it was funny to watch E.T. and see like, oh, here's like 
the inspiration for this movie. Here's the inspiration for that yeah. show, and so on and so forth. I know even Stevens had a had a riff on E.T. where like Beans is in a bike basket and wearing a hoodie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> There's other more famous examples, but for some reason that always comes to mind first. <laughs> Yeah, any th- any show that's had like kids riding a bike, it was oh you can always just say that's an ET reference. Yeah, you <laughs> the most recent season of Stranger Things, all the kids are riding bikes. That's an ET reference. <laughs> I mean, every season of Stranger Things are riding bikes, but you know. for some yeah. reason I can't remember what it's from. But I'm picturing like a big um, like a bulldog in a bike basket. Somebody did a parody, and I cannot sure. for the life of me remember what. Yeah, and, and and I specifically singled out season one of Stranger Things, but that even has L basically wearing the same wig that E.T. wears. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Wow. And they have, like, you know, are wearing clothes that are just dumb-looking, kind of like E.T. So. Yep, that's really funny. And they have to teach her how to speak, and, yeah, you know. The bikes, like, riding the bikes away when they when she flips the van over mm-hmm. them, very much like them flying away. Oh, yeah. Said she makes the van fly. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's uh, it's all borrowing stuff from things like this. Hmm. Uh, this, you know, the whole Spielberg visual language is just ingrained into so much of pop culture, even through today. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I just love anytime a person looks at something and is like astonished, you're like, oh yeah, it's, cr- it's crazy that something that basic can be like, oh, that's a Spielberg thing, but it is right. Good for him. <laughs> uh, and it's more effective when kids do it, even though when, when Sam Neill does it, looking at dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, it's effective too, but better when kids do it. Yeah, Jurassic Park is its own thing. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What else do we want to cover? Frog scene. Wasn't expecting that. Yeah, that was cool. So that's when you first start to realize like, oh, they're feeling the same things because Elliot gets drunk when E.T. gets drunk. And then, yeah, that that scene where not not only is he feeling like internally the same things, but I guess emotionally because E.T. is watching um, like a romantic scene from a movie and Elliot's like acting it out, I guess. My takeaway from that scene was how horrifying it was that a teacher has, un, uh, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but unrestricted access to a bunch of chloroform. She's like, oh, we just put chloroform in these frog jars. I'm like, okay, buddy, where'd you get all that chloroform from? Reagan. <laughs> Reagan's and uh, Reagan's education department. Yeah, exactly. So I need a bunch oh. of chloroform and some frogs. Sure oh. you do, buddy. Here oh, you go. You're, you're ramping up your uh, disciplining. I get it. <laughs> uh, the Quiet Man. Quiet Man. The That's movie E.T. Is. is watching is called The Quiet Man, directed by John Ford. came out in 1952. That's what it was. The um, But what's also funny about the frog scene is, I don't know, I don't remember how like, I don't know how your science classes were, but I did not get live frogs. I got a dead frog. Uh, we didn't even do frogs. We got a cow's eyeball. Well, we got dead cats. <laughs> Whoa! In anatomy. Brutal. Yeah. I didn't do it. I had to leave the room. They smelled way too bad. I yeah. They don't I couldn't. I, I don't think I could have done that. I'll take the I'll take the frog. Yeah, you can ask Ray about it. She was in my group, and I was just like, "I'm gonna leave. You guys can do the dissection." Is that even legal? Like, is it just straight like straight cats? I don't know where they get them. I never considered they were that. dead, right? They were dead. They were very dead. But like, but okay, yeah. but I like that all the other kids are like, "This sucks. We're gonna release our frogs too." I loves that. Except so like, for like the one guy, he's like, yeah. "No, I want to kill this frog." Yeah. What was funny about that scene I found out is that Harrison Ford was supposed to be in E.T. He had a cameo as like the principal, but he was cut, principal or teacher, I can't remember, but he was cut 
because he was just in... Uh, Raised the Lost Arks the year before this. Yeah, and Spielberg was afraid that Harrison Ford would like... It, it would be about Harrison Ford at that point. So gotcha. um, the cameo got cut. Mm-hmm. That would have been fun. Frogs. Why does it always have to be frogs? <laughs> Do you even see the teacher's face? It's kind of no. it's kind of more like a Charlie Brown situation. It is. <laughs> but I th- I can't remember if this guy's he, just droning on about dissection. I just can't remember if they if I read that if he's the teacher or the pr- or it was supposed yeah. to be like a principal scene or something. Yeah. It was one or of like those. the principal hears the commotion and busts in. It's like, hey, what's going on? Yeah. Um, Anyway, it was supposed things. to be Harrison Ford, but I, I was just like, wow, that movie, actually, that whole scene would have changed if it was Harrison Ford. Yeah, he, he at that point changes the temperature of the room. Yeah, when he walks so, it, so I think as much as I right love Harrison call. Ford, it was a good call. It's the right call, no doubt. <laughs> I Yeah, that scene's really cool. Yeah, I don't, I didn't really remember that either. Um, I like that, like, <laughs> to mirror the part where he sort of, like, spins the woman back in the room and then kisses her in the movie. Yep. Somebody just happens to fall down in front of Elliot and he climbs perfect. on top of him. Yeah, it's just very perfect. funny. Very funny. I kind of, I was kind of, I actually never heard, like, you know, with E.T., like, obviously, like, the bike on the moon is like a scene that, like, yeah. everyone knows, even if you've never seen the movie. Like, I feel like the frog scene should be more popular. Like, I don't know. I never, like, I didn't know there was a yeah. frog scene in this movie. I think it's tough just because it's cutting between the two sections. Because okay. uh, E.T. at home watching the stuff while that's happening to Elliot. So it's harder to be that iconic, I guess, when it's, you're cutting between locations. Um, but yeah, that, the moon scene, the bikes flying at the end too, um, and the, E.T. The, phone the home. Fingers, the, yeah, the finger. Elia. Yes. Ouch. You know, he points at his heart and says, ouch. Yeah. I do love that the intergalactic phone that E.T. built is a rotary phone. I don't know if anybody noticed how, oh, it, how it dialed. I oh, just yeah. I love great. it. I was just like, it's it's alien numbers that are coming up, but it's still a rotary phone. Yep. So that would make sense. It's like more mechanical, right? Because of the... Yeah, I guess. It's more like a It's doing the, like the actual GPS coordinates, maybe. I don't know. I just, I, I got a kick out of it. Yeah. Yeah. The tech's pretty cool in this movie because it's, it is technically sci-fi, even though it's mostly just hanging out with kids and. I didn't realize it was considered a sci-fi. I kind of had it as like a fantasy for some reason. It's about aliens and takes place in California. (laughs) Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Are there, are there like a lot of sci-fi, like children, like family friendly films? I mean, so PG-13 isn't until 1984. So. Pretty much everything before this is PG, so right. you can say it's family. Star Wars, for uh, instance. Uh, true. Star Wars true. is sci-fi. I kind of forget the Star Wars is like considered like a family movie. Pretty sure aliens are. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, for for like directed at family movies. Yeah, I um, think Star Wars is like a kid's movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's It's a healthier way to look at it these days, for sure. Yeah, true. True. Um, speaking of which, Kathleen Kennedy is a producer on this, and- uh, obviously her name has been sort of dragged through the mud by the the least good people on the internet often in the last few years. Uh, I don't know pe- people like directly blame her for everything that happened to Star Wars because she takes over Lucasfilm. Uh, um, and it's, it's funny watching all these movies from the 80s that she is like listed as uh, I think in Raiders just the year before she's listed as like an as- associate of Mr. Spielberg <laughs> And then in this movie, she's just straight up a producer. And then he forms Amblin with her as one of the co-founders in just a couple of years after this. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Nice. Um, 
So she's been involved with a lot of really good stuff over the years, but uh, mad adult nerds online just blame her for just rip her apart. everything that's wrong with Star Wars. Yeah. In their minds, it's not even all the same stuff, obviously, but whatever. Hmm. Um, just happened to be a woman involved with Star Wars, and that's just the kiss of death for I some was, people. I was going to say, <laughs> is that the theme? But Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this movie, it's uh, an incredible success and one of the few things that just stands alone. There's no even knockoff. They get, you know, uh, a Spielberg associate or assistant to do the sequel that goes direct to video. None of that. It's just... There's a sequel? No, I'm just saying, oh. like... <laughs> there was... Well, actually, there was supposed to be a sequel, but Spielberg canceled it. That's yeah. probably a good call. I don't think there I'm was saying, much there's like, to... There's four Jaws movies and... There's about to be a fifth Indiana Jones, and I don't know the way that the, the way that this one ended. It, I don't know. I I I don't know if a sequel would have. I totally agree. I'm yeah. just saying it's kind of crazy how successful this movie was that they weren't like we will pay you any money to do this. Probably, well, probably because like, and I, I probably because artistically you can't. You just can't with with like Jaws and Raiders. You can up the action or change the action, but you can't like for an emotional movie. How are you going to redo an emotional connection? It would just feel oh, cheap. I agree, like, but it's studio executives looking at numbers on a spreadsheet, oh, and going, "We need to do this again." ET had babies, and we're going to sell all the merch. ET yeah. Junior. Yeah. I yeah. I just yeah. I think that like that feeling of like when you're saying goodbye to something that you're never going to see again. And all of a sudden it's like, all right, you're going to say, you're going to say hi again. It just yeah. like ruins it. Oh, totally it would, it would totally it. cheapen it, the, it would. the ending. It would cheapen the whole emotional experience of the movie. And I think that's what makes the movie so surprisingly good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. I'm, I'm glad. Cause I like, Obviously, like I, I was sitting there and I was bawling my eyes out at the end. And Derek's like, "Why are you crying?" And I was like, "This is like an emotionally invested movie." He's like, "Huh? I didn't really like. I kind of forgot it was." Like he loves this movie. I, apparently, he was one that like lived on this one when he was younger. Had the toy. Um, loved the ride at Universal. Go figure. Yeah, I mean, merch is another big part of this movie too. Is that yeah. again? It's not a franchise, but. It basically can be considered its own entertainment franchise, just the one movie, because all the merch yeah. and the rides and the you know the t-shirts. You keep saying all the merch, but like, what is there other than the ET? Well, like the like there are like posters. Um, a, they sold a lot of those, but yeah, posters, the video games. Oh, fair, um, fair, fair, fair. T like I feel like I've seen t like t-shirts of like the moon and the bike, mm. kind of that true. whole thing. Yeah. All the product placement in the movie probably helps too. That too. That too. Uh, I don't usually read through what people at the time said on a movie because I like to just talk about what we think. Uh, but I do feel like some of this is worth mentioning. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it four out of four, said it's not simply a good movie. It's one of those movies that brush away our cautions and win our hearts. Uh, he later added it to his great movies list, structuring the essay as a letter to his grandchildren about the first time they watched it. So obviously really connected with Roger Ebert. He gave it a four out of four. four? Yeah, Ebert does out of four. Okay. That's that's yeah, that's an Ebert thing. Uh RogerEbert.com, which which has outlived him by a lot now, they still go on a four out of four structure. Hmm. Uh or an out of four star structure. Yeah. Um uh, the Guardian wrote that E.T. is a superlative piece of popular cinema, a dream of childhood brilliantly orchestrated to involve not only children, but anyone able to remember being one. Yes. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, 
it's a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. That 1% very stubbornly holding out, I guess. That's me. It's just <laughs> go look at the views. It's just it's just Robbie. Uh, it's just it's just Robbie. I it get was, a lot of hate mail. They're like, can you please change this? It was screened for Ronald and Nancy Reagan, and they were both very moved by it at a ah, screening of the see? White House. You like things that Nancy and Ronald Reagan like. Uh, it made Princess Diana cry. It says, <laughs> uh, "You, you and Princess Di." Um, it was screened at the UN, and they gave Spielberg a UN Peace Medal. <laughs> okay, and, now uh, you're just making things up. I know. It, well, that's why I'm like, I was reading this. Like, okay, I have to list what I, I don't like reading Wikipedia on this podcast, but it, like these, it just keeps building, and uh, it was the first. For the first known film to own an A plus in cinema score. Wow. Um, I like that it says it's the first known film. Like this says A plus. Seems like it was a long time ago. We're not going to check. <laughs> the people whoever did that entry on Wikipedia was like, yeah, it's probably the first one. Uh, anyway, that I know of. But again, I'm not surprised that all the accolations it's gotten. I I don't know why. I feel like the the yeah. the the, the, the um. The emotional like breath of it, I I, I was really surprised by it from a family yeah. from a family film. I was very surprised. So on that note, what age do you think is like the perfect age? Probably around Elliot's age, I guess. Nine. Yeah, he's he's supposed to be like nine or ten in this. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I think once you hit like twelve, they'll be like, "This is stupid." You know what I mean? like? Maybe mm-hmm. not stupid, but just like yeah, you gotta get you don't have time for it definitely. at that age. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like nine because like you 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 understand more concept like concepts that like adults do, but you still have that childhood like um, innocence almost at that age. Yeah. yeah, is that right around the age you start telling kids Santa's not real, or is that earlier? I want to say it's a little bit younger. Okay, but right around that time frame, though. yeah, still still in that, still yeah. gull enough, gullible, not gullible enough, but I don't know, young yeah. enough to. What is that like third grade? Sure. Yeah. About. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's a good. I feel like that. Well, and that's also I think an age to like. Let's say a kid's parents are getting divorced. I feel like that's the age where like. Correct me if I'm wrong. That like it would actually like really stick. Like it stuck with Elliot, who's around that age. Oh yeah. You know, like at yeah. his sister's age, like I don't know if she like fully con like understands what's happening to the family per se. But Elliot seems to be the yeah. one that's like kind of shooken the most because Michael's just like taken over as like the eldest one in the house. Yeah, the that's that's a good point that it, you can tell it's affected all of them, but all in different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah, because Elliot's the one that's being more nostalgic about his dad and the good times. Um, like he's the one that's bringing Michael into the picture. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He talking about, well, we used to go to ball games and exactly. throw popcorn at each other at it's the movies. It's sure. And like, yeah. you know, Michael's like, oh, it's, it's Old Spice. And like, Elliot knew exactly which one. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's that age of like, I like, I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the product placement we missed, by the way, though. Oh, the Old, the old Spice. Oh, the you're old right. Spice. You're right. <laughs> I'm sure there's a bunch we missed. Um, I just like, anytime they went into the fridge, it was like, ooh. Oh, the, the Old Spice, the I, like, I, it stuck with me, though, because I was like, holy crap, Old Spice has been around since 82. It's old. Like, Jesus, it, it really is. It's, old. it's a very <laughs> Old Spice. It used to be New Spice back then. <laughs> uh, on that note. Uh. Um, every week, we give it a, give it, give the movie a rating out of five, and you can go by halves on any scale of your choosing. Um... Robbie, why don't you start us off? 
I'm going to give it a full hand of E.T. fingers, which is three and a half out of five. Three and a half out of five. Okay. Three and a half E.T. fingers out of five. Cool. Okay. Uh, I can go next if you want to think. Um, I was, I, yeah, it's it's a great movie. I'm giving it five out of five uh, washed ETs just <laughs> drying out in the in the shallows of the lake or river, whatever. I like when people use that as a meme to just show how tired they are. Where it's just like <laughs> I feel like ET in this picture. ET look real bad is what I had written. <laughs> <laughs> look real bad. Uh, yeah, so five out of five completely washed ETs. Me too. Five out of five. Well, sorry, Robbie. Good, but gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that brings us around. Uh, yeah, it, ne- it has never come to an even half number. So, what's the highest number? Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. We did that one last week, and it was three fives and one four and a half. You had to be there. I think that's part of it with with some of these movies, but uh, obviously in this one, not for Martha. Right? Nope. <laughs> Didn't matter. Just, I, yeah, just brought me back to childhood. It's funny because when I was talking about it with Derek and like at first when he was like, like, why are you crying? It's like, and I was like, dude, did we talk to you? Princess and, well, Diana's crying well, he right was, now. So he wasn't watching it with me. And then when I was like, because of the A, B, C, D, E, and he was like, yeah, you're right. I guess it is an emotional movie, but when you grow up at like, you don't think of it as an emotional movie. Right. But yeah, five out of five. That was a, for it being a 19, like I understand what you're saying. Like it's dark, like colors are darker. It's a little bit slower. It's not as action filled. Like that part I get, but I, from like where it was, I, I appreciated it. I enjoyed it. Good. I'm glad, I'm glad you at least both liked it. Um, yeah, that just about does it for us. You can find us on Instagram at late to the movies underscore podcast. That's the number two. Uh, late to the movies at gmail.com. If you want to send any complaints or I don't know, any fun facts, no one's ever sent us fun facts. Send us like a fun fact. Talk about how the, uh, no one wants to email you. (laughs) How universal managed to, uh, create a nostalgic smelling forest at the universal Orlando ET rides queue. It smells really good. Interesting. It's a fake wood smell that, you used to be able to like buy or something. I don't know. There's a podcast, the ride episode about that ride that is worth listening to. So I'll just, just say that. Um, and, uh, you can go to T public and buy t-shirts. One of them has Greg's face on it. It is worth at least $3,000. You can get it for 20. Um, <laughs> yeah. Rate and review us, follow us, do whatever on Spotify, Stitcher, Podbeans. Apple Podcasts or iTunes if you're on desktop. You can also just Google the show and listen to it through Google. That's called Google Podcasts, but literally just browser window, Google the show, press play. It works pretty good. And is that googletheshow.com? Uh-huh. Okay. That has to exist. <laughs> yes. That definitely exists. So thank you guys for being on. We had Robbie and Martha. Phone and home. Phone and home. Bye. 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 There it is. Uh, we'll be here always. That was the... Oh. I was waiting for someone to... No. Okay, whatever. <laughs>